Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. I am excited to be speaking to you guys today, but kind of as Kelsey said, can we make some noise for our drummer, Eugene? Come on, give it up for Eugene. That was his first, that was his first time drumming for us at Warehouse Church. Eugene started coming to the crew, which is our students from 6th through 12th grade. I would say a couple weeks before camp. Is that right, Eugene? A couple weeks before camp, and he rolled up and started balling with us, dunking on him. I blocked him a couple times, broke his ankles, no big deal. But he kept coming back, and uh, man, man, God is doing something in his life. He came to camp with us, experiencing God, and I just wanted to let you know I am proud of you today. So good morning again for Church Family Online. It is good to see you. Make sure you fill out our Connect card at warehousechurch.com slash VIP. So that song I played twice for us, that song, it's a fun, listen, this is a fun, this is a funny story, not funny story, it makes me look weird, but it's a funny story about that song. So if you know me, my wife is Christina, and we were dating at one point in our life, right, and then we broke up, and we started dating again. This This is a true story, okay? So listen, when that song came out, like, in the in-between time, you know, when I was in the trenches and I had nobody. And I'm telling you, I don't know what it was, but I was like, girl, my heart is a stereo for you. Like, I don't know what it was about, but I was like, come on, girl, where you at? Like, I would be going to the gym when my buddies are playing basketball, and they would, like, pass me the basketball, and it would go by me, and they'd be like, Johnny, like, what are you doing? I'm, Christine's my heart, man. I need my stereo. I, I never even told her that story. I promise you that's a real story, and she's probably going to make fun of me for that. But that's a true story. I'm serious. We are in week two of our series called Summer Playlist. And the question that we are asking, or what God is asking of Warehouse Church, or more specifically, what God is asking from you is what does God want from you this summer? The series is Summer Playlist. What does God want from me? Or more specifically, what does God want from you this summer? And this morning, I'm Italian and I like to scream. But this morning, I'm going to do a little more teaching today, if that's okay, as God is just leading me to it. Because summer, listen, summer is usually a time where things kind of slow down, and that's understandable, um, where we take some much-deserved breaks. But I believe, church family, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, but for Warehouse Church, we are just getting started. But that this season isn't just a season where we take some time off. This season isn't a wasted season, but a Warehouse Church, the summer season is going to be a fruitful season. May, church, we always be preparing for, working towards and getting ready for a harvest because I believe for Warehouse Church, and if you call Warehouse Church your home, I believe it for you that the best is yet to come. And we need to get people serving, plugged in, like Eugene, drumming. We need to get people serving on a Sunday, starting in life groups, leading a life group, helping out on Wednesday night. Can I tell you something about Wednesday night? I don't know what you do on Wednesday from about six to eight o'clock. But can I tell you something, church family? On Wednesday night, 
Our leaders, myself, we're in the trenches trying to battle for teenager souls because they're on a fence between what the world wants for them and what God has for them. Let me tell you a story. There was the gentleman, two weeks ago we got back from camp, and I told some of our students this. The gentleman who spoke to our students from the stage, who did such a tremendous job connecting to our students. And I found out, I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, or Wednesday, should I say, but I found out that the gentleman who was speaking to our students, who, who actually is a pastor of a church as well, actually went to the same school as my brother, Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. And I don't know if you know too much of the story, but most of you do. My brother, about three years ago, passed away from what was the heroin overdose, or fentanyl overdose. And my brother was one of the best communicators that I've ever laid my eyes on. My brother can walk into a room and because of his personality, it would just illuminate. I wanted to be just like my brother. He was so good at being able to be on an instant, be able to start talking and people's ears were listening. And I couldn't do nothing but sit in that chair and look up at that stage of that gentleman talking and think to myself, that could have been Mike. That should have been Mike. And I was getting angry in my soul. Can I tell you something, church? On Wednesday nights, we are in the trenches, pulling kids off, and that might be an extreme example, but pulling kids off the fence from going towards what the world wants for them and the purpose that God has for them. And we need some help on Wednesday nights, whether that's serving, picking up some snacks, picking kids up. We need help picking kids up. We're trying to raise money for two vans. Why is that? Because we're trying to get more kids to understand that Jesus loves them. The church is not about being perfect. Finding perfect people, well put together people to serve, but that we are a body of imperfect people inviting God into our mess. Because the Bible tells me, and it tells you too, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And that through our story and the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross is a perfect recipe to disrupt hell. We need people to stand up a warehouse church, we need you to start serving. Let us never waver from our mission statement as you walk out these doors right here, building lives, strengthening families, and delivering hope. And before I continue in this message, church family, would you join me in just a second of prayer? Father God, thank you for what you're doing at Warehouse Church. Help me, Father God, to communicate exactly and only what you want me to say. And let those that are hearing, whether it's online or in person, receive your word, God. You are doing something through Warehouse Church, and we want to be a part of it. God, speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Ed started off this series last week, Summer Playlist by talking about making sure that you stay connected to the church, making sure you're staying connected. And I would like to continue this series today by reading out of Matthew 14, 22 through 29. So if you have a Bible or if you have the YouVersion app, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 29, and it's on a screen there. I'm going to read it for you today. And I believe this passage will really be a launching pad into the conversation that we're going to have today. Matthew 22, 
14, 22 through 29. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. There are some versions that say they had hours of a head start from Jesus, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on a lake, like everybody does. And when the disciples saw him walking on a lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, don't be scared, don't be afraid, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. Let me say it one more time. Then Peter got down out of the boat. My man walked on water, and he went towards Jesus. I want to use this scripture today as the foundation for our topic. I want to talk from this subject as we're in this series, Summer Playlist. We are God's playlist. What does God want from me this summer? What does he want from you this summer? Listen, church, he wants you to realize that I am, that you are number 12. Now, what does that mean, you're asking? That's a great question. We're going to answer that as we get into this message. But I am number 12. Family, there are a number of words that can be used to describe those of us who has accepted Jesus as the leader of our life and the savior of our sins. There are a number of words that the authors of scripture use to articulate to us what a Christ follower is. And listen, church, and none of those words in any way imply or suggest at any time normal. All throughout scripture, we see a number of adjectives used to describe and depict the nature and character of God's people. And none of those adjectives in any way suggest to us normal. The Bible uses words like salt, light, special, chosen, royal, anointed, Head, not the tail. Above only, not beneath. All of these words are used by the authors of Scripture to articulate to us who we are in Christ. And my question is, why? If I am that, why do you have to continually tell me that? And maybe, listen church, maybe it's just because, listen, just because something is a spiritual truth, it doesn't mean that it has been my personal experience. So the question that I believe we really need to answer today is, is really found from, from this, this sage named Saul out of the book of Proverbs where he says, as a man or woman thinketh in their heart, so is he. Which maybe means that maybe the reason why God continues to remind us through the word from his perspective who we are in Christ is because he knows that we will always live in a way that's consistent with the way that we see ourselves. And what if I told you? What if I told you that in this season, 
in many of our lives, what God is trying to do is not to get you just to change your mind about politics or to get you to change your mind about the world or to get you to change your mind about external things. But what if I told you that in this season, what God is trying to do is to get you to change your mind about yourself? <clears throat> I believe that God wants to get you to see yourself the way that he sees you so that you can start to live in a way that's consistent with the way that he sees you and not the way you see yourself. Church, we serve a God who looks at our history and he says repeatedly over and over again, that has absolutely nothing to do with your destiny. And I believe there's a word. There's a word that we can use to today, today, that describes and depicts to us this understanding. I believe there's a word that can be used today that can help shape this thought from not only an understanding, but to actually living it out. And it comes from our foundational passage out of Matthew. And that word is water walkers. Water walkers. But Johnny, what is that water walkers? Did you just make that up? Kind of. Listen, church, water walkers, those that walk on what other people drowned in. And this is not a declaration that we are better than, but a distinction that we are different from. Because we can go through some of the same things that other people go through. But because you have a relationship with Jesus, that doesn't mean that you have to come out the same way other people come out. So let's read this text again out of Matthew 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went up. Uh, went out to them, walking on a lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Chill out. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And then Peter got down out of the boat. My man walked on water. came towards Jesus. Here in Matthew 14, we see something that's a little bit unusual. All throughout scripture, we see examples of people walking. God walked in the garden on the cool of day. Enoch walked with God. Abraham walked to Mount Moriah. Moses walked through the Red Sea. Joshua walked around the walls of Jericho. Jesus walked straight out the tomb. But all throughout scripture, we see stories of people walking. But here in Matthew 14, we see something different. We see two people, listen church, this is important, two people walking on water. And this story actually takes place right after the feeding of the 5,000 which is such a miraculous story. And in verse 22, it actually begins with the words immediately. Jesus tells his disciples, all right, come on now. I want you to get on a boat and go to the other side and uh, I'm gonna pull up on you later. That's what he says in the text. I want you to get in this boat, start making your way, and I'm gonna holler at you later. And it's interesting, family. These disciples do exactly what they're told, hop in the boat, start rowing, start sailing, probably at this point because the Bible tells us they made it a decent way because they've had a head start from Jesus by hours. 
and they see this silhouette walking on water. And this isn't even my message. This is a freebie. But the, the disciples are out there by hours ahead of Jesus, rowing, sailing, straining, probably investing some, some sweat equity. And Jesus is off praying. The disciples are straining, and the Jesus is praying. And the Bible says that Jesus walks right up on them, which tells me that when you start to reset yourself spiritually, God can move you forward in different ways physically. And these disciples are straining, and Jesus is walking. And Peter looks out there and says, Lord, is that you? I mean, is that you? Now, my question is, if you've been walking with me, eating with me, learning from me, being mentored by me for three years, how do you not know what I look like at this point? And maybe it's because, before we judge Peter, listen, church, maybe it's because God doesn't always show up looking like God in the middle of our mess. The text says that the disciples were dealing with some, with some, some turbulent seas. Church, we need to be careful. They said it's a ghost. We know it was Jesus. Sometimes in the middle of our mess, sometimes in the middle of our storms, we will prematurely label something one thing when really it may be God ready to call you out of ready to get you away from, ready to bring you into something greater, ready to get you to experience something you haven't experienced before because God doesn't always show up looking like God. So Peter says, okay, Lord, if it's really you, like he's still questioning, it's, it's me, on water, what's up? Okay, but if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. And the Bible says, and we read it together, Jesus says, come. Peter says, all right, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Peter says, okay, Lord, mm, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Church family, online family, sometimes we don't experience something greater. Sometimes we aren't stepping into our purpose. Sometimes we aren't walking on water. Because a come isn't enough. He didn't say, hey, hey, Pete, why don't you hop out the boat real quick, do three spins and a hokey pokey. I want to suspend gravity, and then you can start walking on water. That's not what happened. Listen, family, if we're going to be a body of believers that lets Jesus do the miraculous with our regular, if we're going to be a body of believers that lets God transform your ordinary into extraordinary, if we're going to be a people that says it's time to take a stand, it's not that we're going to slow down, but we're actually going to pick it up, and our community is going to know the name of Warehouse Church then we got to learn to go on a come. And the last time that I checked, the word has already been spoken. Go and make disciples. Church family, that is a come. If you lift my name up, I will draw people unto myself. Church family, that is a come. Take up your cross daily and come follow me. And sometimes I do this, church. Instead of fixing our eyes on things eternal, we get so caught up 
and what we want, so caught up in prioritizing things in the wrong order, and we wonder why we keep missing out on being a part of something greater. Peter had every right to stay in that boat. He had every right to second-guess himself, but he got out of that boat anyway. Can you imagine what that man was going through on that boat, choppy seas? This dude's chilling out, standing on the water. The disciples whispering to themselves, what is this guy doing? But he got out of there anyway. And the Bible says, I don't, Matthew is pretty good at, at describing this situation to us. But the Bible says that he got down to get out of the boat. Listen, church, this is important. Peter got down to get out of the boat. Now, I don't know exactly how boat this big was or how it was shaped or how it was constructed. But Matthew is very specific to tell us that for Peter to experience something great, for Peter to let God transform him to do something that no other man has done, he had to get down to get out of the boat. And this is for somebody today, but sometimes, church, this isn't even sometimes. What you need to do, what I need to do is to get over our insecurities, to get over our pride, to get over our ego, you got to go down. And you got to go down to the feet of our king. Mm. So, and the Bible says he got down, walks on water, and then Matthew continues to write this story. And he walks on water to go towards Jesus. So he's not trying to simply walk on water to walk on water. He's not trying to be somebody just to be somebody. He's not trying to lift up his ego and ambition. He's not trying to do something major just to do something major. He's not trying to blow up just to blow up. Peter's trying to get to Jesus. And I believe down in the deepest part of my soul that God has something amazing for Warehouse Church this season. Something amazing for our kids' ministry. Something amazing for our students. But we're not trying to do it just to do it, church. Family, we're trying to get to Jesus. And we're trying to bring along everyone we can with us. And that doesn't stop or slow down in any season. Just like Pastor Ed talked about that we need to stay connected to the local body, but we need to stay pursuing Jesus. Something I thought was interesting that we're probably all familiar with if you're familiar with this passage of Scripture. The text says only, only Peter does it. If we're familiar, we're not surprised by that. Well, only Peter walks on water. But all the other disciples are in the boat. And like we talked about earlier, I feel like I just, I relate to Peter so much. My man's standing, seeing Jesus, stands up. All the disciples are probably whispering to themselves, probably like, what is going on right now? Probably still tired from rowing for hours. Y'all ready for this? There are 11 others on the boat. And Peter stands up, looks at the 11, and says, I'm number 12. 
I'm not built for the boat. I'm wired for the water. I've been crafted for my calling. I've been designed for my destiny. I see what the other 11 are doing, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to get to Jesus. And I got a decision to make. Who's going to influence what I'm doing more? The 11 sitting in the boat or the one that's walking on water? And I'm trying to tell somebody that you're going to have a decision to make at some point in your life. What does God want for me this summer? He wants you to get in the game. He wants you to take a step out. He wants you to start serving, get into a life group, start a life group, get involved with our students, get involved with our kids and say, I would rather prefer to be like Jesus than the 11 sitting in a boat. I'm number 12. But, but, I believe, I believe, and maybe it's just me or maybe it's what I went through in my life or what I've experienced personally, a reason why most Christians don't step out, don't get involved, don't reach our full potential. It's because we are so good at focusing on all of our pain from our life, on our own insecurities, on our own shortcomings, on our own mess-ups, on our own inabilities, listen church, on our own weaknesses. And all the time that we spend looking at our weaknesses, we are taking away from all the time we could be looking at Jesus. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Be what? Be strong. So it tells us, Paul tells us, that our strength is not found in what we can do on our own. Paul is actually telling us where we need to place our strength so that, uh, place our hope, excuse me, so that we can find our strength. Be strong in the what? In the Lord. Oh, snap. And then watch this. And in his mighty power. God's not telling, listen, church, because we are so good at doing this. We, I am included. Listen, God is not telling us to act strong. God is telling us to be strong. And today, a lot of Christians confuse acting strong and being strong. And a lot of us would rather just act it than be about it. And I found that one of the ways that we can actually get stronger is when we start to acknowledge that we're weak. When we actually invite God to sit with us in our mess, listen, church, and let him use us right where we're at. When you plug the directions into your GPS, what does it ask you? Can I have your current location so that I can get you to your destination. Church family, we have a destination. That is living out our purpose that God has called us to. But God wants you right at your current location. Not before you clean yourself up. Not after you say six Hail Marys. Not before you keep praying. God wants to use you right where you're at and let him transform you along the way. Listen. 
As we read this in verse 11, Paul tells us, look at it. He says, be strong. And then he tells us, though, to put on your armor. Be strong, but put on your armor. Now, don't forget that. Now, I'm just picturing some some Dwayne Johnson looking bull, you know what I'm saying? Up there flexing on somebody who's got muscles on muscles on muscles. And I'm thinking, spiritually speaking, I'm walking out looking like the rock, but Paul tells me to still put on my armor. Now this isn't crazy, but why if I'm being strong, do I still have to put on my armor? And that's because no matter how strong you are, you still have a weakness. And the only reason somebody would ever put on armor to go to battle, the only reason someone ever puts on armor to go to war is to cover a weakness. Because no matter how strong it is that you present yourself or you pretend to present yourself, there is always still a weak area in your life. Just as at the foot of the cross, our shame, our sins, are a level playing field before Jesus. The opportunity to serve and advance the kingdom and say, I am number 12, that is a level playing field because God gives us everything that we need. All we have is all we need. And when we put it into the hands of Jesus, when we put it into the hands of God and let him transform it to do the miraculous, we are all weak, church. So what does this mean, Johnny? You are a church online family I am number 12 and it's time to go to war even with the weakness and I know some of us have a weakness that's more detectable than others some of us have a substance abuse problem that everybody can smell and see but did you know Pride is just as intoxicating. Uh Uh-oh, coming to your house today. Did you know greed and gluttony is just as harmful? The crazy thing about our weakness is usually when we have one, guess what? Knock, knock, you do. We give ourselves every reason to not take a step out of the boat. We give ourselves every reason not to experience what God has for us. But I'm here to tell you that God is shouting from the rooftops that he wants to use you, church. We need you. See, the problem is most of us all our lives have been told we can't be used because of our weakness. But when I read this passage, Paul is declaring, get up. Be strong, but every warrior is going to have to get up and fight something with armor on because you're going to be weak when you go to war. You're going to be weak when you feel God calling you out saying, come on now, it's time to go to war with the weakness, not stand aside because of it. And if we went down the road of having a real honest conversation, we all have weaknesses and we all have some, listen, that we get uncomfortable about that we don't like to talk about. But God's not saying, well, I guess they're unusable. He's actually like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, Johnny. You were addicted to that when I called you, but we gotta go to war with the weakness. Oh, yeah, 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 I know you're insecure because you don't know who your daddy is. 
or I know you're insecure because you never had a relationship with your mom, or I know you're insecure because all the times you failed over and over and over again. Oh, no, 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 church, we go to war with the weakness. Oh, you thought I wasn't going to use you because you've already been used up by the world. Oh, hold up, no, no, no. You see, when I called you, I already factored in the weakness. Jesus is calling you out, come on. It's time to go to war, even with the weakness. This is about to free somebody, because somebody has been sitting on the sidelines of life, looking at everything that hasn't happened to them, looking at everything that they were never picked for, everything that seemed to pass them by, and God is saying, here it is. Your time has come. Come on. You are number 12. I called you. I've anointed you. It's time to go to war, even with the weakness. church we are a light to this community to this world and it's time to step up and serve this summer as we prepare for even going into the fall whatever it may be God is calling you it's time to get out the boat you are number 12 and guess why you're weak that's okay but we go to war with the weakness and as we start to close today really quickly I'd like to take a loop back and look through this message as we merge this conversation together. I wanna share three things that we can take away from this message that I think are incredibly important for those of us today ready to take some steps. And here's number one, church. Ready for this? We need to embrace our weakness. Notice. I didn't say understand it. I said embrace it. Because listen, church, your weakness, mm, your weakness will always feel like awkwardness until God brings you into a season where you see its relevance. Let me say that again. Your weakness will always feel like awkwardness until God brings you into a season where you see it's relevance. When we look at Peter, he was impulsive. He's always been like that. He was temperamental, unpredictable, but he was wired. That, that wiring was used by God. That wiring was redeemed by God. That same uniqueness, that same weakness was something that God used that caused Peter to step out and walk on water because he had to get to a season of his life where he saw its relevance. Embrace your weakness. Number two, you got to learn to walk with the wind. The text goes on to say, as Peter gets down out of the boat, he starts walking on water. But the Bible says, Matthew is very specific, that Peter starts to see the wind. And it was at that moment that he began to sink. But listen, family, it says he started to see the wind. You can't see wind. You can feel it. You can hear it, but you can't see it. You can only see what the wind is affecting. And when Peter started to look at what the wind was affecting, he lost focus. And when he lost focus, he began to sink. Listen, church, Peter didn't lose vision. Peter lost focus. If you want to be number 12, you have to learn to walk with the wind. 
walk with your weakness. The wind will always be there. Things in life are gonna come and hit you. There are gonna be things about life that you see, things are affecting, the wind is blowing, but you got to keep your eyes on Jesus and walk with the wind. And number three, and I'm done. Hmm. You gotta learn to scream for the Savior. The Bible says that as Peter lost focus, he started to sink. Listen, church, but he didn't allow the sinking to cause him to go silent. We all sink, church. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know all about your background, but I do know this. We all sink, but we don't have to drown. Peter started to sink, but he knew I can call for the Savior. Now, I'm not sure what you're going through in life, what you're dealing with, but a warehouse church, you are number 12, and it's time to get up and serve, and I don't know exactly what happened to in your life, but I need you to know this. You don't have to drown. All you got to do is call for the Savior today, and the Bible says that he reached out his hand, picked up Peter, and he not only picked him up, but he walked him back safely to the boat. I'm trying to tell you, Jesus is waiting. He's calling you. Come on. What are you going through? And like Jesus is saying, you are number 12. Scream for the Savior. I'm ready to use you, but I need you. I need you to lift your hand out and call for me because he has something for you that he wants to bring you into. But you got to learn to scream for the Savior. Church family, would you pray with me today? Father God. Father God. Father God. Thank you for everything you've done for us that even while we were sinners you still died for us mm. Father God help us to see ourselves the way that you see us and that because you think so highly of us and we are covered by the blood we are anointed we are chosen that we see that we can actually take a step out of the boat and do something for you within the local church, within to our neighbors at work, whatever it may be, God. Even being imperfect, even having a weakness, God, you make a business of using messed up people to impact your kingdom. Now, I don't know if that was you, and I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But if you say, Johnny, Johnny, I'm ready to go to war, even with the weakness. I may not know what that looks like. I may not know, but I'm trusting God and I'm screaming for the Savior. If that is you today, I just want you silently and quickly just to lift up your hand so I can pray for you this morning. Johnny, I'm ready to go to war, even with the weakness. Awesome, 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 awesome. Now you say, Johnny, you've been talking about this Jesus guy. Let me tell you about this man. He was the son of God who lived the perfect life to die on the cross. And through Jesus, we can have a relationship with God. And the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved. He's waiting for you. It's a free gift. It's nothing you've done to earn it. But it's putting your faith in what Jesus did. The Bible says all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. We are all sinners and we've done wrong. And then believing in who Jesus was, the perfect son of God, who lived the perfect life. He died on a cross. 
And we celebrate on Easter Sunday, three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was God. And then just confessing that to him in a short conversation. It's not about the words you say or how you say them, but it's you believing it in your heart. And if that's you this morning, you say, Johnny, I never have entered into a relationship with Jesus. I would love to walk you through that. In your heart, you don't have to say it out loud. No one's gonna embarrass you. Just repeat after me. And again, it's not the words. It's, it's in your heart. Just say, Father God, I know I'm a sinner and I've done wrong. I've messed up too many times to count. But I believe in who Jesus says he was. The perfect son of God. And he died for me and he rose again, proving he was God. Today, Father God, I confess that to you and I ask you to come into my life and save me today. And that this may not be the end of our conversation, Father, but the start of a new one that we have together. And then just thank him. Thank you, God, for saving me today. If that was you this morning, and I don't want to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you out. I just want to celebrate you today. If that was you this morning, would you raise your hand and just quickly put it down? Come on. God, thank you for what you are doing through Warehouse Church. You have taken us on a journey. But God, the work is not done yet. You need people, God. And we have some here. And we want to do your work, Father. And we may be messed up, jacked up, broken. But God, we, we want to be used and restored along the way. Whether that's serving, life groups, kids, students, God. We just want to make an impact for you. We want to see people know you, grow in you. That we are building lives, strengthening families, and delivering hope. Oh, Jesus. Help us to know that we are number 12. Thank you that we have a pastor who we can follow, confidently knowing that he is following Jesus. God, we are in great hands. Let us always continue to pursue you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome church family.